You are listening to the Struggling Beautifully podcast. Don't forget, whatever stage of life you're walking through or sometimes stumbling, it's important to look above and anchor yourself to the one who controls it all. The best part of life is finding your people, people who walk with you through the fire. That's what we're here for. Daily inspiration, burning questions answered, and how to always look above. I'm Brooke. And I'm Peyton. And we are Struggling Beautifully. Welcome back to the Struggling Beautifully podcast, guys. It is another Monday and another question, but it's actually two questions today, so you're getting lucky. Um, So the reason why I'm doing two questions is one, because they're relatively short questions, and also because Brooke is going to be at my house, and I kind of want us to be able to finish this series with our testimonies um, and then start the new one on like a fresh note. So we have two questions here today. The first one was basically, it was kind of a long one, like question-wise, the wording was long, um, but it was, there were thousands of religions. How can you be sure that Christianity is the right one? Which is a great question to ask. And then the second one was just, how can you be sure of your salvation. Both of these have been two topics. Again, this is like the fifth week that I think like the question that I'm answering like I've learned about. So I'm just I'm just going with it, you know? Um but I feel like honestly like this past I would say like two weeks the reality of my faith has really just been I feel like there's been a lot of highs and lows and sometimes I can feel like there's a lot of lows more than there are highs. But I've, I've just, I've really just been like, like, I feel like, I don't even know. Like, I've just had this like passion for the Lord and understanding of who he is. And like, almost like the realization of who he is and that he is very real. Just kind of like, be poured out over my life. And I just think that's just been so fantastic. Like, it's just insane to me and so I'm really excited to be able to share to you like kind of the key reasons that have stuck out to me about how I know Christianity is true but I'm kind of like ranting so I kind of want to just like get into the question because sorry like I think like three minutes of me just talking so um yeah the first question was there are thousands of religions so why is Christianity the right one how do you know that there even is a God so first I want to go comparing Christianity to other religions. The first thing about that I noticed about Christianity, the two things actually, is one that Christianity is the only religion that is not about what you do in order to get to heaven. Honestly, like God actually refers to us working our way to heaven. So like, you know, about like Buddhism, like trying to get good karma in order to like in order to be like reincarnated in something good and so it's always about working your way up and it's always about doing good in order to enter to heaven um and I think some Christians do look at it this way um but the Bible actually teaches us that it's not about what we do it's about what God did for us um and it just it gives more power to God I feel like and um it's just It's the one religion that isn't about us. And I just think that that's just, that's crazy. Um, So I'll read you this. 
It's Ezekiel 36, 26, and it says, and I will, no, this is the wrong verse. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's Isaiah 64, 6, um, and it's, it's talking about the unclean rags, um, and it's talking about our works and how God sees it. So we have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garment. Or dirty rags. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind. Take us away. So actually all of our righteous deeds. That we're doing. To be good enough for God. Are seen as filthy rags. Because like I think the best example. Which I think I've already told you guys. Was like the Ferrari. If like if somebody buys you a Ferrari. And you walk out there. And it's something that you clearly can't afford and you give them $20. It's almost insulting, you know. You're not even just taking their gift and being thankful. You're trying to think that you can pay for it with $20. It's insulting. Same thing with God. There's no way any of us could ever get to heaven on our own because we've all sinned and fallen short. As we were talking about the law, we've all broken one at least. Therefore, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So thinking that like we are able to get there on our own um, is just absurd. And I think that the Bible is just, it just so clearly shows us that it's not about us. It's about God and it's only about God and it's about his love that he has towards us that we didn't even deserve. And I think that's, that's just so beautiful. So that's like the first reason why Christianity, I think is, um, stood, stood out to me after looking through some things to kind of see what I believe. The second thing is, um, the the amount of authors of the Bible. Like, you know, um, all these different books, these holy sacred books, had like one author. Um, and the Bible was written by like, I think, 46 different people. And over the time span that it is written, it wasn't written over one person's lifetime. It was written over multiple people's lifetime. And it never contradicts itself one time. I think that's just, that's like ridiculous to me, actually. And then, um, just like the parallels are so cool if you really get into scripture. Um, this is kind of one that connected to me is that, um, we were talking about how the Bible, so the Bible is, yes, it's written by man. So it's a hundred percent written by man, but it's a hundred percent inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking through these men. And you can see that the Holy Spirit is speaking through these men. One, because the whole story or the whole Bible over the amount of years that it's been written, it never contradicts itself one time. The Bible never contradicts itself one time. And you can compare scripture with scripture. And the Bible is the one holy book that claims itself. It's the only person who Jesus Christ declared himself to be God. Muhammad didn't declare himself to be God. Jesus declared himself to be God and the Bible itself claims itself to be true. And that's just, that is what like the ultimate truth is, is like, for instance, if, if your parents have ultimate authority over you because you, they tell you not to do something, you're like, why? And they're like, cause I said so. Same thing with the Bible. The Bible is true because the Bible says so. And I think that's so cool how it claims itself as well. And then also back to the the um, amount of authors, how that never contradicts itself. And it's over such a long time period that it's just, it's crazy. And just seeing how like one, one part of the scripture 
can be the same. Like, for instance, if you read the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all about this the life of Jesus. But God uses these men and their different characteristics for the Bible to be able to be understood by more people in order to reflect God in a different way. So they all have the same meaning and they're all true. But, like... It's written to different people and you see how God has used people in their experience to speak truth in a way for, to basically, I guess, disciple to people all over. And of it, it just diversifies the whole Bible itself. I also think that that's just like incredible. And also that the Bible, the people who writ the, wrote, writ, wrote in, written, have written the Bible were eyewitnesses. They saw this firsthand. They saw the miracles that Jesus did. He didn't want to claim himself to be God. He showed miracles. He died and then he resurrected. And I think that's insane that these people actually saw this. And in 1 John 1, 1 through 4, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. This is John writing, by the way. Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ." And these things we write to you that you that your joy may be full. And I just think that's so cool how these people have really experienced God and now they're sharing it and how it never contradicts itself. It's multiple people. And so there's a lot of room for error, but yet there is an error. And that's just kind of something crazy. And so then if you go further on and you see the prophecies in the first te- testament have been fulfilled and still are fulfilled to this day. And I just think that that in itself is just insane. And also, if you look at the manuscripts, um, if we're going to look at this on a historical like point of view, I, I, I did recently just learned this, and it was kind of insane. Um, and I don't really understand this map, but I kind of do. And it's like the number of manuscript copies and then the time gap in years between like when it was written and the, the most recent copy. And so then it has all these different stories that we we learn about in history class. So um, Plato has twelve hundred years in the time gap in years twelve hundred, and there's only seven copies of this, and we learn about him in history class. Caesar, there's only ten copies in a ten thousand year gap. Okay. Um, and then Homer, there is 643 copies and only a 500 year gap. That's good. You want less of a year gap because there's less room for error. So we see that the greatest amount of copies is 643 and the lowest year gap is 500. Well, if you go up to the Old Testament, there's only a 25 year gap. That is so much smaller than the rest of everyone. Like, I just told you that 500 was the smallest so far. And we learned about these people in history class. And they are known to be real people. But the Old Testament were questioning. 
even though they have a smaller year gap. And now look at this, the amount of copies, the greatest amount of copies before this, I want to remind you, is 1,400. That was the greatest amount of copies that there is on this chart. And it's um, D-E-M-O-S-T-H-E-N-E-S. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But I've seen that name before. And then remember, Caesar only has 1,000 copies. The New Testament has 5,700 copies. Do you see how insane that is? That the Old Testament, one, has a greater amount of copies and a less um, amount of years in that time gap. But yet, we still don't believe that. So, that's saying something to me about how true this actually can be that we we are rejecting it and and that the enemy has built up like this lie almost to where we can't even like see these things and then also if you get into um like science I know a lot of people just they're just like oh my gosh like science and gospel have to be enemies but in all reality science proves scripture to be correct and I just, I want you to take a second and I want you to think about this really quick. The eye, the intricacies of the eye. If you are missing one part of your eye, it is not able to work. It's not. And that just, that shows the careful structure and creativity that our God has to have for us. And also, did you know that if you take every strand of your DNA in your body and you unravel it and you tie them together, it can go, so it says there's enough DNA in the average person's body to stretch from the sun to Pluto and back 17 times. There's enough DNA in your body to do that. Do you know how insane that is? Childbirth. How do we go from two baby sex cells into a whole human? Look at your hand. I want you to look at your hand. Look at your fingernails. The way your body moves. That there's blood that pumps through your body. Like, create creation in itself. There's, the fact that there's wind, we can't see it, but we know it's there. Air, we, we, we just know that there's air even though we can't see it all the time. Like, these things are insane if you really think. Like, what? Like, who came up with this? Like, there has to be a creator. There's just, there's no way that all of this order, the fact that, like, think about how fast the earth is spinning and how, then how fast while we're spinning it's going around the sun. Like, we are moving insanely fast on this big, basically, ball. And we're all still here living a life. Like, there's, there's life on this, like, little rock. Like, whoa like and that we're not even like a fracture of a fracture a fraction of space like it just blows me away to look at science and look at God's work within all of it and I just it's it's insane to me so that's just another thing and then also like if you've heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls that's also with manuscripts and histories they're they're actually being found and they've been found and translated and the Bible is still true and I just think that that in itself is just that all of that information just together just proves like I'm like God is real there's like no way that he can't be real like I just it's crazy and then there's also this personal experience the fact that a lot of people have said, well, you know, religion was just a way to control the masses. Well, why did people who started this and started following God 
Like, why would they allow themselves to be persecuted? Just the testimonies of the people who've written the Bible is insane. Like, if I don't know if you've heard the story. If you're new to the Bible, there's this dude who's written most of the New Testament. He's my favorite writer of the Bible because I relate a lot with him, which is why I love that God chose people to write the Bible. I went really long with this question. The second question is not going to take this long, I promise. But um, Paul is his name. He originally was Saul, and what he did was he persecuted Christians. He would kill Christians. He hated every single one of them. But then God came and spoke to him and blinded him, and then he was unblinded when he was given the truth, and, and then God allowed this man to open his eyes. This is in short about what happened. I really recommend you read the story. But then that in itself, and then he became one of the greatest disciples of God. And like he was put in Philippians, he was put into like a literal, literal cellar. And he was talking about how to be a slave to Christ and to be suffering in Christ's joy. Like, wow, he'd rather be dead with Christ than alive in sin. Like, the, who would say that? Like, honestly, like, like, if God's not real, why would anyone go through this? Why would people go through suffering? Why would, like, basically the founders of Christianity be put through this torment if they didn't truly believe it and it wasn't truly shown to them? Like, how come this many people have been prophesied to? Like, how come it's personally look, working in everyone's life? Like, it's personally worked in my life, my testimony. I can't wait to share that with you guys, how I was completely transformed. How can the Bible, if it's just a book of good advice how can it change a person's soul like wow all of that and we still reject it the fact that we reject it too that's also another reason but I'm done with all my reasons um but that's why I can say in confidence that I believe that Christianity is the true um is the truth and that God is real is because of those reasons um, but I'm going to say this in short to the second part of this. It's probably going to be like probably 23 minutes long, but it's, it's fine, guys. Um, these are good questions. I really love these last two questions because they're very important to ask. But the second one is, um, so knowing God is real, how can you be sure of your salvation? I first want to say this, and I said this last time. If you feel a conviction in your heart that you know that you are a sinner and you are starting to see how real God really is, I am telling you that that is a spirit stirring something up within you. We would not naturally be seeking God first. I wasn't seeking God first. I was doing my own life, but it wasn't until he called me that I could respond, that he gave me free will to be able to choose to love him and to know him but I wouldn't have done it unless he called me and I think that's crazy in itself but um yeah so if you're questioning it I know a lot of times this Satan can fool us to thinking that because we've lived a bad life or because this is not like how do we know that that we are going to be able to be saved the first thing is if you have a desire in your heart to love God and to live for him or to learn to live for him, or I've even heard this question that like, I want to have faith, but I feel like I can't just, I can't. The fact that you are having conviction of the, of your unbelief and that you want to believe with all of you, that is, and if you're having 
sleepless nights over this. This is proof of God working in your heart. And whatever God has started in you, he will bring to completion at the end. This is because God has placed a new heart into us in order for us to know him. We have hardened hearts. And if the Lord has started to soften your heart and give you a new heart, you become a new creation. And to be sure of this... The desires of your heart change because he does give us a new heart. Um, let me find the verse. So, mm, it was, I'm trying to find it. It was a really good one. Um, oh yeah. So it's Ezekiel 36, 26. It was an, I will give you a new heart. In a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So by having this new heart and having the spirit dwell within us, although we are still in our flesh and we still our sinners, because we have the spirit in us, we now can choose to live a life for Christ. This doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means your heart is going to desire to obey God's word. So if you see that your heart is feeling convicted, even if you still sin, if you feel that conviction in your heart, or even the conviction that you're not feeling guilty, like the fact that you want to follow God, this is evidence of God working in you. And so I would just say keep in prayer for that because the thing is our salvation isn't predicated on our feelings and our emotions and what we do. It's about what he did for us. Um, We were learning about this yesterday at youth group um, and it was in I think 1 John maybe. Um, Yeah, it was 1 John, and it was like, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. So we abide in him because he has given us his spirit. And then in verse 17 it says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is also our, because as he is, so also are we in the world. So we become like Jesus because his spirit has been put in us. And now when G- when God looks at us, he sees his son. Because his son's blood has covered us. And it's because he died and died for us that if we believe in him, confess we believe in him, and repent from our sins, we now are saved. And it's that easy. But the thing is, the Christian life isn't easy. So it might be easy in the fact that all it takes is for you believing and loving and wanting to follow him it's not just knowing that he's real but wanting to follow him that is evidence of your salvation um that saves you and and has the the son's blood cover you but um wow i lost my train of thought but basically just that we we now would be like Jesus was in the world. We would be set apart. We would live a life like him. And now we would become like Jesus through the fact that he died for us. And that just through believing in him, he covers us and gives us a new heart. Um, and desires develop. You might start desiring to get in the Bible more. There might be some nights where you don't want to. That's just the life of a Christian. We're imperfect. But it's the desire to to work on it and become like him, I think, that shows um, your salvation. Also, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, 
being patient, kind. You see these things develop in your life where you start to become more like Christ. Um, and that's just evidence of a change. Um, I, I became more patient, I think, uh, better at communicating with my parents. Um, easy, like faster to listen um, and slower to speak. And, and sometimes you don't even notice it. But like my mom would be like, I've noticed this in you and I'm proud of you. You're going to always be your your worst critic. And I think that's important to understand too. But if you're in prayer and you are wanting to be like Christ and you are feeling conviction, that is evidence. And we just need to have joy in our salvation. You know, when life gets tough, I am guilty of this. When life gets tough and we feel busy and we feel down and we don't understand like what we're doing wrong, we just need to sit back and be like, no, it's not about what I do. My works are like filthy rags. And so I'm just going to rejoice in the fact that although I am dealing with this disbelief and I can't grasp God, if we could grasp God too, by the way, and we could comprehend who he is, would he really be God? Like, come on. Um, even in my unbelief, he loved me so much that he died for me and he died for my disbelief, never my past, future, and present sins so that I could be glorified with him in heaven. Like, whoa. Dudes, I've been learning about heaven too, but that's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. I'm on a whole tangent in this podcast, so I'm really sorry. Um, but yes, so fruits of the spirit, looking at your life, seeing a change, wanting to live for Christ, that is evidence of a salvation and a renewal of your heart. So I hope this helps. It's, it was very long. Um, longer than my past ones but these were great questions thank you for tuning in and i hope to see you next week